Ja, mit Batteristen am Penzeller. everyone, Susie here bringing you another episode of Swiss Pats. At this time and place in the world, it's a bit like, do I do a normal podcast? Should I stick to my usual format? It's such a hard question for me to answer because nothing is normal and everyone's format has changed. Everyone's work format, our kids' formats, and also our lifestyle format has changed too. Last week, I spoke to 15 people across the world to find out how they're coping with the current situation I want to sincerely thank you all for listening this was my first solo podcast they were all my own ideas without anyone to run them by and I learned so much I think I spoke to a few too many people and my ums and ahs were usually hidden when I had Don to hide behind and uh, I didn't have him this time around so uh, they were a little bit more evident to me But I thoroughly enjoyed recording it. It was really hard work and I'm super proud of it. I had record numbers of downloads. Thank you so much. And that just goes to show that people want to listen to podcasts about what is important to them. So I'm recording this literally from my bed because Bruce, my husband, is in the office and the kids have done a day's worth of homework. So they're watching TV. This was the only quiet place in the house. So how are you? How are you coping? Me, I'm doing okay. My weekend was tough. I felt like the week previously had gone so smoothly with the kids' schoolwork that I was looking forward to a nothing weekend, which is actually how my usual weekends go. But when nothing literally happened, we couldn't leave the house, we didn't do anything, there was nothing to do at all, nowhere to go, nothing to see, I fell into a slump of sadness and anxiety. Everything I'm reading says that is normal, to not live in it, to accept it and find the positive. So that's what I'm trying to do. It turns out that I'm more a routine person than I ever knew. I actually hate routines and I've always avoided them. Um, so I'm basically at the situation where I'm having to embrace this, um, you know, this routine and refuse this desire to reject it. I've really always loved having no routine, but times they are a changing, aren't they? I hope you can enjoy these next few weeks of Swiss Pats uh, that I have planned. Maybe they will take your mind off quarantine or maybe they'll inspire you to contact one of my guests to help you and your family through this time. This week, I'm bringing you a healthy guest, one who will inspire you and encourage you not to let the current situation turn into bad habits. Don and I spoke to Dana a few weeks ago, and then I spoke to her again to get an update, which I will play for you first. As always, thank you for your support. If you want to leave me a review, you can do that now on Facebook, and it's also doable on iTunes. Leaving a review helps me immensely. So to those that already have, I thank you so much. All comments, likes and shares are always appreciated. And please enjoy this week's episode of Swiss Pats. Hi, Susie. Thank you so much. Yes, so I did adjust my programs, all of them, to the situation that we're dealing with at the moment. I know that there's a lot of stress around um, everything, really, in terms of health, in terms of well-being, and also food. People feel scarcity. People um, are not sure what they have in terms of getting their health under control. And also, you know, we're all sitting there watching the news, we're getting nervous, we're eating buckets of ice cream and potato chips and whatnot. And that food doesn't necessarily help us, first of all, to keep to our health. 
Second of all, to have the energy and the patience for our loved ones who we're stuck with now at home. And I think it's really, really important, especially now, to look after ourselves and to make sure that we are not coming out of the situation, you know, feeling miserable about the bodies that we're in. And also to really maintain your health, to maintain your, to strengthen your immune system and, you know, make sure that you have the right support, the right recipes and not fall into that spiral of just sitting at home, binge eating and really eating your emotions away. So what we do during the program is really tackle all of that and a lot, a lot more. And joining us now is Dana Levi Hoffman. She is from Organalicious. Organalicious. See, I didn't even want to try and say it because I knew I was going to say it wrong. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us Thank on Swiss Pats. Thank Thank no worries. Um, so we have been in contact um, about, you know, what you've been doing and what you've got to offer. And we're definitely interested in your uh, your services. But we want to start with uh, your expat story first. Sure. So um, you mentioned before we went on air that you've been here for 16 years. So not really new to Switzerland, are you? No, not at all. Um, yeah, I've been here a really long time. I think it's it's around 16 years. It, it, it all kind of muddles into one after 10, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it really does. It was funny because when we moved here, I was, a, I was a baby. I mean, I was a child and I did not, I never thought I would be living in Switzerland, in Europe in general, uh, let alone marry a, a European guy. And um, yeah, now I'm like two kids and, and a business, you know, later. And um, still it's kind of like, wow, I'm living in Switzerland. That's interesting. So where are you from originally? And it sounds like you've had lots of different places that you've lived. Yeah, well, I'm originally Israeli. I moved to America when I was 11 uh, to Boston and moved back when I was 17. And met my husband when I was 23, moved here when I was, I think, 25. So I call myself Israeli, but I haven't lived there for very long, but it's still, you know, my heart. Um, but yeah, I call myself international, really. Those those changes you experienced as a child at 11, I mean, has was that a big, I don't know, I don't want to say factor, but now that you find yourself in Switzerland, when you think back to when you were 11 and going from Israel to America and dealing with that change at 11, yeah. did that have a big impact? I love that question because yes, it totally did. Um, I hated moving when I was 11. Okay. I totally hated it. I was just hitting puberty. I was losing all my friends. I came to a different country, different people, different culture, different weather. It was terrible. I moved from Israel, which is the, you know, we have winter maybe one month a year to Boston where we have, yeah. you know, three meters of snow most of the time. And um, it's like I, nine feet, by the way. <laughs> dealing with freedom units I, but yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> i mean i legit hated it yeah I it's really, tough it was terrible and that's why i moved back when i was 17 my family's still there and i moved back and i just said you know this is not for me um i i went through the army i just i did everything i was like i don't care what i have to go through i'm just not staying here so my experience as a child was that was punishment i hated that but coming here and then you know finding myself back in Israel, finding myself in, in Europe afterwards or in, in Switzerland, I realized how much that actually helped me 
the move, okay. the, you know, the flexibility of understanding that first of all, it's not for, it's never forever, and second of all, it is, it's doable, and I can adjust myself, and I can find my home away from home. And now I can say that Switzerland is my home, which is big to say because for the first nine years I suffered. I really did not enjoy living here. Nine years? Yeah, a good nine years. I mean, my story my story is a little bit more detailed. I, I We had two kids within 15 months. Okay. Uh, no help whatsoever here, no family or it's anything. It's hard, yeah. And they both had uh, like a medical situation, so I didn't, you know, I, I had to deal with two sickly kids in a way, basically, um, with zero help. So I went through depression and I went through, you know, it was just a terrible time for me to kind of go like, okay, well, I'm stuck here in a dist- different country with no one to help and no huge, you know, strong friendships that I can say, you know, helped me go, go through that. That's um, the thing you couple- give up when you, yeah. when you, decide to be that expat right that's what you have to give up like when you come from a place where you have that support system you come to this country it's great it's cool but then when stuff like that goes on it's like you don't really have anybody else and that's that's one of the challenges i don't think a lot of people kind of understand they look at you oh you moved to switzerland how great and it's like yeah but you know when my kids are having these issues like it's all on me right it's all on just our nucleus family that's hard it's, I think it's even worse than that because when you do find friendships that do pull you through hard situations, they leave. <laughs> they yeah, often leave. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when, when they leave, you're kind of like, well, I just finally, I finally found something to grab onto and now it's gone and now I need to kind of start from scratch. So I, I find that expat life, it's tough. It's not for everyone. I really don't think it's for everyone. And that's why I say I think it made me stronger when we moved away from Israel and then I moved back because also moving back to Israel I had to find my place I had my you know my family but by then all of the kids that I went to you know primary school with were in in the army like I have was I didn't have any contact with them at all so it was really starting for from scratch for me a couple of times in my life and coming here I can't say that it made it easier because it was a rough time but I think it w- it made it um I could see the light. Like I could mm-hmm. see that, you know, I, I'm not giving up. I'm not leaving just because of this hardship. So, so you, you, it was a hardship. It definitely sounds like it. You had, um, you know, young child into your teenage years in yeah. the U.S. and then um, made that decision at a really young age, which is still a teenager. I mean, I moved to England when I was 18, and in hindsight, like we were young, right? That's really, really young. But when you moved to Switzerland and it was hard, what kept you here? What was it that you went, I'm jacking this in again and I'm moving somewhere else? That's a good question. I think what kept me, well, my husband, because I kind of like him. Yeah, that helps. And then (laughs) it did help. And the fact that I was still young and I didn't feel like this was, you know, I could, I, I felt like I could, at any moment, I could just get up and leave. So I just wanted to pull it through and see what's going on. But the the reason that we actually came to Switzerland was because we were, well, we basically invested all of our money and savings in a project, in a, in a business that failed in Israel. And we were in just minus in like three different banks and we were just struggling. And in Israel, it's much, much harder to, to start again. Now, for us, it was either moving back to the States and live with my parents, which I immediately vetoed because <laughs> right. I was like, not going to happen, or coming to Switzerland and trying it out. So 
Uh, so we came here and we said, let's toughen it out and let's let's figure this out. Um, George had a job immediately or, or relatively quickly. Um, I found jobs here and there. We were in interlocking at first, so you know it, it was not a problem to find any job speaking English, basically, um, tourist-wise. And then um, I think it was okay then, those couple of years that we were in Interlock and we were young and, and everything was, you know, just fine, um, was okay. But then we moved to Zurich when I was, or to the area of Zurich when I was pregnant with my first. And so, again, it was a new beginning within the new beginning. And so I was kind of going like, okay, well, now I'm pregnant and now there's this baby and I need to find my clan. And so it was kind of an overload. And by the time I started feeling like, okay, things are starting to be okay, I was pregnant again. So I was kind of like, what is happening? But, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer that you get what you can deal Handle. with. Yeah. Yeah. So I really, you know, we, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. We constantly were considering going back to Israel. We were considering going to the States. Um, but something just kept us here. And I'm kind of glad because I would not move back to any of those. Mom, don't listen. Yeah. Um, I would not go back to any of those places at the moment. Not, not. Do, do you feel like Switzerland is, is home? Right now, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because I feel the same way and um, I, I hear similarities with, with your story and, and my personal one as well. And um, there's like a special place in my heart for Australia. And I always say I'm Australian as well. But actually, I spent my entire adult life in, in the UK. Yeah. Um, and then it, it feels like, you know, a home. But you, you mentioned something interesting about it's you didn't say this word, but it's almost like a roller coaster being an expat. Like, you know, you you come, you have to find your people and then they leave and then you have to kind of do it all over again. So, I mean, did you find that place where you created friendships and they're, they're, they're here now or, or have you had to kind of reinvent yourself over and over? Constantly reinvent myself. Um, and tenfolds when I started a business. Yeah. Because when you start a business, you lose a lot of friendships. And you re reconsider a lot of friendships. Okay. Um, and I think that that was kind of um, almost the last, you know, hurdle that I went through was friendship-wise was uh, starting the business and really finding out who your true friends are and, you know, noticing who supports you and noticing who just hates you because they didn't do the same thing or, or God knows what. Um, but... I think it will continue. I mean, I, I, I know that, you know, I was lucky enough that one of my fr really good friends uh, went to the States for like three years and now they're back. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that was really awesome. Um, but I hardly get to see her. So, you know, now, you know, the kids are older. We She's working. I'm working. So it's a different dynamic altogether. And I think that growth that development of life, I don't think we can we can anticipate at all. And what originally brought you to Switzerland? Lack of money. Okay, <laughs> which is very interesting because yeah. <laughs> it's a little expensive here. I don't know if you noticed. It's super it's expensive. expensive to live in Switzerland. It's super expensive, but it it was easier for us to come and crash on a friend's sofa and eat at George's parents like two meals a day and okay. try to start over and get paid okay yeah um, you know especially yeah. for two two kids basically you know to get to get uh, a job and stuff like that it was easier in israel it's much rougher and where did you guys meet in israel 
Okay, he's he's Swiss. Yeah, I'm pointing to him because he's sitting in the he's room in the corner, he's very quietly, <laughs> doing a very nice job. Um, okay, so he is Swiss. So there there is that that little bit of a tie there. I got you. Okay, now you. It's interesting you're talking about when you're starting the business. Your you, the, the friendship dynamic changes. Um, but what I'm more interested in, you know, you came here because of something failed in Israel. What made you want to do this again? Like, what made you say? Let's try this again. Uh, bravery, obviously. I mean, you've served in the military. You're way braver than me, I guess. But like this idea of like, let's just do it again. Um, the, the business? Yeah, to try it again. I always knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. Okay. Like I didn't really last very long in other jobs <laughs> because okay. I was told what to do and I was like, mm, not going to fly. <laughs> so I didn't, I, I, I really, I truly always knew since I was a kid. Um. It was harder to convince my husband, especially because he's Swiss. Mm. It was rough, um, but he got used to the idea. I mean, I had about 20 business ideas before this one. Okay. And, and a couple actually that I started too. So um, I actually started with uh, kids, healthy kids cooking classes about in 2014, 13, I think it was. And, um, and that worked out okay. It just wasn't making me any money but I had a lot of fun mm -hmm. um, but it was really it's it was a development of the business as well so I think it's just this drive to to offer something that you see people want and need okay you know so it's really kind of providing the people with what they're looking for um, and it's also being your own boss it's being you know it's calling the shots it's working a lot more than a nine-to-five job but actually being passionate about it rather mm -hmm. than going to a job and, and dreading going to begin with yeah the sunday scaries that you, yeah. you used to talk about right exactly yeah. so for me it was just not i, I i'm 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 a quite a flexible person until I'm being told what to do. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's what really kind of got. And I mean, I grew up with a mother who was an entrepreneur at heart as well. Um, okay. She, whether she had her job or not, she, she kept trying to start businesses um, over and over again. I remember it since I was a, a very young child. Um, so I think that was also something, just seeing her as a role model and, um, and trying to continue that. And, and yeah, and just offering something interesting and new that's not yeah. out there. Are you, are you afraid, are you not afraid to try new things, whether it's professionally or personally? Like, is that something that you've used in your personal life that it seems like, oh, let's try a kid's cooking class, see if it works, maybe not. Like, are you afraid to, or is there any hesitation to start these new things? Or you just start doing them? I mean, like, in personal life, I'm a scaredy cat. Like, I don't, I mean, like, or let's just say I would never go on a roller coaster ride. Mm-mm, not my thing at all. Um, but at the same time, to, yeah, that's a good question. No, I don't, I, I think that's interesting. I never thought of that. No, I think it's really very different. Okay. Um, I think it's, for me, business-wise, I was just trying to find, you know, you come to Switzerland and you think I'm going to have kids because I want kids. I've always wanted kids. I'm going to be a great mom. And then you have kids and you're like, wow, I'm not a great mom. And then you go, okay, well, now I'm stuck at home. Right. Mm. And in Switzerland, it's so tough because they come home for lunch unless you have a lot of money to send them to whatever lunch table where they get crap to eat or, you know, a private school or whatever. Um, they're home. They're home at noon. And they're if you're lucky, they're back in the afternoon for maybe an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. 
so to find a job that actually takes you in from what nine to eleven because you need to prepare lunch as well what you know you can't find that so it Switzerland makes it very hard for women to work and so for me it was kind of like well I am not my title is not just mom you know I'm my own person I want to shine I want to show that um, but how do I do that so for me the only way around it was okay well I have to start something small on my own and I need to provide something and I thought about you know providing sandwich healthy sandwiches to you know businesses around where we used to live um, I thought about like I had a million ideas and um, and basically started the the kids cooking classes because it was on the weekends and I thought to myself like what would I want to have mm-hmm. as a mother and that was just the perfect thing is like to have an activity for the kids where the parents can learn something as well where you get a bite to eat at the end of the you know the course and everyone's happy um, so yeah I think I think with with the business I'm probably more courageous than George would like me to be. Um, but yeah, in real life, not really. <laughs> Big scaredy cat. Yeah, huge. <laughs> so tell us about um, Organalicious. Mm-hmm. Did I say it right that yeah, time? Yeah, you did. Well done. Yes. Um, I've been saying it in my head for the last five minutes. Organalicious, <laughs> Organalicious. <laughs> um, what, what is, what, how did that evolve into what it is today? Okay, that's a, that's a nice question. Um, so I started with organ- with the miso cute cooking. That was the cooking classes. And my the idea actually developed because my mom was offering, back in the States, she was offering cooking classes for kids, but they were zero healthy. So it was just sugar and you know gluten uh, and all the stuff that I wasn't really much into. Um, and she kept telling me, she goes like, you have to do this, it's so much fun. You love kids and you, you're, you're gonna enjoy it and it's good money and blah, blah, blah. And it was really hard for me because I was like, well, I'm not going to feed other kids what I don't feed my own kids. So it took me a while to develop that. And then I said, all right, we're going to start with the miso kyo cooking. And that went really well. And the well, again, went really well because it developed to what it did now. Um, the parents came up to me at the end. It was with the parents because it was age one to three and three to eight, basically. Yeah. And so um, the parents would come to me and say, I want you to come home to my home and cook with me. I want you to, you know, coach me because I would cook with them, let the kids make a mess and and kind of show the kids what to do. And meanwhile, talk to the parents and go, you know, replace this with that for, you know, this meal to be healthier. Use this, use that. And so they were really excited to learn more, but they wanted to learn more without the little midgets running around between their legs. And so that led me to kind of, come to their home and stuff and and realize their need and further my education to become a a certified health coach and so when i started with organa there was a little little, another little business in between but um when i started organalicious well when i started that and wanted to pitch it i realized that i have to rebrand everything because approaching you know kids cooking classes and like health coaching for adults are two different target markets at, uh, in general so um that's that's how organolicious organolicious kind of yeah was born awesome and what exactly d- does a health coach do so a health coach's job is to help the individual um find or or work on small and sustainable goals that will help them reach that big whatever they want to do if it's weight loss if it's health if it's you know less stress or work-life balance it could be anything Um, but we're there to help them 
realize that and we're there to be an accountability partner um, to give them ideas and tools that they can rely on in order to reach those goals so the idea really is just support um, you know more knowledge of course but also I find that that health coaching is helping you realize that you have all the answers right and um it's interesting because um, when you think about one of those things that you mentioned, either you know maybe losing weight or being healthier in general, it does seem like it's very far in the distance. And I guess what you're saying is you you kind of lay out that it's not impossible because if you just think about the end goal, it does seem impossible, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. And a lot of people struggle with those things, and I, I struggled through them as well. So when I was dealing with my depression, dealing with two tiny kids. I was also 20, 20 plus kilos overweight. I was, I didn't manage life at all. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I had a, a, you know, a bunch of things that I was kind of going like, wow, this is never going to happen. This is just, you know, a dead end. This is, I'm going to die like old cat lady, you know, I don't know. And um, it, I had a few things happen in my life throughout those years. So slightly before the kids yeah, basically when I was pregnant with my first, I lost a third grandmother who was just the person who was the dearest to my heart. She died of, of cancer, of lymphoma, and she suffered for four years. She was always, her life revolved around us eating healthy and living healthy. Right. And for me, that was kind of a big wake-up moment going like, well, why is the person that cared about health, everyone's health, die of such a terrible disease and in my world it always seemed like you can't avoid these things mm-hmm. and then I had my kids and then my mom found out that she has two types of cancer and then I was like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. this is this, this is going down the, the line and I needed to stop right here and so for me that was kind of okay now I'm overweight now I've lost you know three grandparents to cancer my mom has two types of cancer what do I do how do I make sure that it's not affecting my little family unit. Right. And so I started investigating. I started working on our health. And that really led to, again, then MisoCute was like, okay, now I'm not giving my kids like McDonald's and sugar. How do I do that with other kids? And, and that just really naturally developed. But for me, it was years and years and years of trying to figure it out. And with my clients, I managed to do that within about six months, maybe a year if they continue, depending on, on their life, of course, and, and things that come come uh, in between uh, what we're doing. But it's definitely doable. It is definitely doable. I mean, just a, another small story, for example, is my dad. My dad had diabetes pretty much my whole life. When I was two, he found out that he has diabetes type two and that he has high cholesterol and he's suffered for it from it throughout his life and about i think 4 years ago i finally got through to him and i was like listen let's just do a b and c let's just work on those things it's not that hard and he was over and i cooked with him and he was like oh, i'm not going to eat this and i was like where are you going to try it yeah and of course he tasted like it like a kid it was delicious. <laughs> right total biggest kid ever 60 year old child so he basically went back home and I call this a, a blessing from God his the, the power went off in their house when they were gone so all of the fridge two fridges of course because US yeah uh, two fridge contents gone gone 
So he was like, well, okay, then we start from scratch. So yeah. he really did start. Sometimes it does just take that kind of um, like um, opportunity yes. for you to be able to to see that, okay, this is a, a moment where I can use this to change myself. You, you mentioned your dad and that you finally got through to him. People come to you because they know that they want to change. What do you suggest for people say who have family members like you did who you know that they need to change but they're not there yet what you know do you have any advice or like support that can be offered to those people who you know they're sick and you know that they're unhealthy um you know what can i do to to help them unfortunately it always needs to come from that person it's very hard to try to convince them one way or another i'm still trying to convince my own mother um at the same time, I think that's showing an example, not by, you know, drilling, not by kind of preaching and things like that, because that doesn't really help, is to just live the way that you believe is the right way to live. And, you know, we're hoping that that tidal wave will catch on. Yeah. And it usually does. It sometimes takes a long time. A long time, yeah. But it really does. And people, when people see you, you know, if you go back home and people see how you're looking better than you did 10 years ago and you're, you know, energetic and the kids are not ADD and bouncing off the walls and, you know, that everything is kind of looking healthy and great and stuff, um, then it can I, trigger something. It does trigger something. It's yeah. little drops, little nuggets. And, um, it's not easy. Yeah. It's really not easy. I mean, I was lucky with my dad. He hurt himself. So it was like, you know, with for someone with diabetes to hurt his leg, mm. I was like, they're gonna chop your leg off. So I really was using the, yeah. the scare tactic. And within a month, his doctor said he was diabetic free, like diabetes free. Within wow. a month. That's awesome. So, so what we need to do is we need to flip off uh, the family members' fridges. Electricity, yep. Yeah, flip yep. off the electricity, pull out the plug, don't let them put it back in. And, That's a good idea. And then, uh, and then we can start from there. Mm-hmm. Now, you and I were talking about life in switzerland in in its and its relationship with food and i don't know if everybody thinks this but when i think of swiss people i think of thin people um and therefore very fairly healthy people who eat things like bread and fondue on you know a normal daily basis you know very stereotypical obviously that is not the truth but the swiss diet isn't necessarily healthy so do you have any issues convincing Swiss people that the healthy lifestyle isn't necessarily what they're eating? I mean, I have to be honest, the Swiss people are not kind of my um, audience. audience and my yeah. audience. Yeah. yeah. First of all, because I am not about to break my teeth over Swiss German. Um, <laughs> None of us are. Yeah. But also because I find that it is very hard to convince them that. I think that they... Again, when they look at, you know, the typical U.S., you know, everyone's overweight, everyone's this, and they're eating terrible and the sad diet and da-da-da, they don't consider that to be them, and I don't agree. I think that the, I think that the, um, the food that most people are used to here, so insane amounts of cheese, insane amounts of bread, insane, you know, so, and, and their processed meats and stuff like that, those are really not necessarily making them healthy. The fact that they're thin doesn't mean that they're healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a, an overweight person doesn't isn't necessarily unhealthy, right. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. I don't think you know. We 
our bodies are our bodies and we have to love them the way that they are. Um, but you also can't hide a bad diet with, with working out. Yes, they walk a lot, they bike a lot, they, they move, they hike, they do this and that, but it's not necessarily you know, uh, that they are healthy or that they will live to, I don't know what age. For me, the, it's not even how old you live, it's how well you live and how you enjoy your life, right? If you're suffering from arthritis or you're suffering from sinus infections or from like skin problems or from anything, any autoimmune disease or anything, to me, I don't care if you live a hundred, you've suffered 50 years or more. Mm -hmm. That's kind of, that, it kind of sucks. Um, if you, you know, die at age 50, but you lived an amazing life, I prefer that for myself. So I think it's very hard here to get through to them in, in, in that case. So the people that come to Organalicious, mm -hmm. as I said it properly, <laughs> the people that come to Organalicious, is it mostly then expats? And what is the what is a, a typical demographic, or do you have a typical demographic on the people that come to you for help? Yeah, they're, they are 99% expats. Um, I work also with people abroad, so it's not necessarily only in Switzerland, but um, but they are here expats. They are people who are like as Susie said, like they do want they they are aware. Like my job is not to try to convince people of things. Yeah, uh, I don't have the time for that. But it's they they understand that they need to change something. They understand that maybe you know they went to a million doctors and no one helped, kind of thing. And I'm not saying that I'm a healer, but there are definitely ways to heal through uh, lifestyle changes. Um, and that could be that could be, if somebody recognizes, okay, I need to change my lifestyle, but the question is how, right? And it feels like what you do is you provide them answers to how by showing them kind of like a roadmap or taking them by a hand slowly but surely because with anything if you just look at it overall it's daunting right but when you break it down little by little little things can be accomplished to reach that big goal 100 percent. and those little things are most often going to make their life easier on a day-to-day -day basis so it's not like they have extra chores those goals are really focused on making their life easier, making it less stressful, making it more balanced. So, um, you know, I don't expect people to, you know, I have people who look at me really scared and I'm like, I'm not gonna expect you to toss all of your fridge and just go like, bye, you toss all the good stuff, you know, good luck. Yeah. The idea is really to first integrate the healthier food, to integrate the healthier lifestyle, to drop the stress down a huge notch. Um, which is a huge one, you know, sleep is a humongous one. Like if you're, if you have a lot of stress and you're not sleeping well, you can forget about losing weight or being healthy. Mm -hmm. So those are the first and self-love. So those are the three first things that I work on before we even look at their food. Okay. Right. And that already brings them to another place that already, you know, when you love yourself, it's like a car. If you were driving a raggedy old car and you hate it, you're not going to fill up the gas on time. You're not going to clean it. It's going to look like a sh excuse me, like you, crap, You right? can say shit, it's okay. Thank you. Um, but if you love that car, even if it's a raggedy old car, but you love that car, you got it from your grandmother, you're completely obsessed with it, you named it, you're gonna take care of that car, Yeah. right? And that's the way that we should look at our bodies. We really need to look, we, we're, we, we're always giving um, objects this kind of like, ah, you know, like halo of 
this is perfection, but we are abusing ourselves. We're talking to ourselves in a way that we would never talk to any other human being on earth. Mm -hmm. We are abusing it by giving it the wrong food, you know, God forbid you give your dog the wrong food, but we're eating the wrong, you know, <laughs> food that doesn't even fuel us or, or draws away our, our energy and our fuel every single day. Yeah. So to humanize ourselves and to just say, like, love yourself, like, give respect to this body that pulled you through all of these years and give it the right tools. I think that's the first and foremost kind of point that everyone needs to understand. So what are some of the options people would find at Organalicious when they come to the website? Um, what are the different, I guess, services? Or, or what is it that I, I would encounter when I come to the website as far as figuring out what I want from you? Yeah. Um, I do work in different ways. There's three very specific ways that I work. Uh, one would be more for people who are about an hour away from me maximum, so in, in this region. <clears throat> Um, who are interested in having physical help in the kitchen. Okay. Really understanding how to do things. There's, you know, I had a lot of people, a lot of women, funny enough from different, you know, backgrounds like Indian who have phobia from the kitchen because they grew up with this mama who was in the kitchen. She's like, get out of here. I'm, I'm cooking and stuff like that. And they didn't, you know, mom was cooking perfect and they didn't, they don't <laughs> yeah. know what to do. So these kind of people who really need that hand to hand, you know, let's use this, let's, you know, really, really there physically. Um, that's my kind of platinum program. Um, the middle one that's the most uh, popular one is my gold program where uh, we work online. It's a six month program where we work online. We talk every two weeks. We're in touch. I have clients texting me on WhatsApp every single day, which I love. Um, and they have that support, but it's more online. Mm -hmm. um, and then I have my 30 day program, which is kind of new. It's uh, my urban cleanse. Um, and it's, it's really cool because I came into this program declaring that I do not believe in 30 day programs <laughs> and that I really think, and, and I don't believe in cleanses either, right? But this, the 30-day the urban cleanse is to give a group of people the tools, the recipes, the information that will carry them on for hopefully forever, but, you know, continuously. So mm -hmm. the idea is that they're getting a shopping list and recipes and we're having calls and we're having, you know, they're getting discount codes and, and they get me 30 days on WhatsApp in a group chat. So mm -hmm. they are really seeing the difference and they're not living on juices and things like that. Right. Right. They're rather, the cleanse is rather to cleanse your body from, you know, bread, mm -hmm. for example, or from just certain foods that I don't believe support us support our energy support our health and so their changes i mean i've had people contact me after two or three weeks telling me how they decided to have something in a restaurant like a i don't know like a pita bread with cheese another thing that i don't agree with and they couldn't like the daughter pushed it away mm. the daughter i mean like she wasn't fully with the program but but it, the, the idea is that the whole family is involved um she pushed it away the mom decided to have it and she was like brain fog and couldn't move afterwards and so they feel it i mean your body is your science your body tells you exactly 
what's going on. Yeah. If you're having something after a couple of weeks of not having it and your body's like, eh, that was pretty stupid, <laughs> then you're not going to have it or you're not going to have it as often. So it sounds more like it's like a cleanse for your life. Really As is. opposed to like a uh, a body uh, physical cleanse for your for the insides. Hundred percent. Awesome. So let um, our listeners know how they can find you because um, I, for one, the one I mean, I wish you'd come to Basel because I could definitely do with that those you know in my kitchen i'm a terrible cook i hate cooking so let us know how we, how people can find you sure so you can go to www.organalicious.ch good luck spelling that um and if you're interested in the 30-day urban cleanse you can go to organalicious.ch what is it backslash, backslash. yeah back, backslash backslash backspace no I, we don't even know now what's something that line um urban dash cleanse Right. Um, and that's where you can see all the information, what you're getting, when the next one is starting. And um, I'm happy to come to Basel, by the way. Basel awesome. is like the furthest spot that I would come from. The furthest you'd go. Well, there yeah. you go. Maybe I'm going to have to get you to come to Basel and uh, and tell me off about my, the contents of my <laughs> fridge and, and pantry. Dana, thank you so much for coming on. It's been awesome having you. And uh, we will put the uh, website in our show notes so that people can find you. Cool. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Yummy, bonkers, and open, and say,